0: This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. 800 is our telephone number. Harvey Cruz and Julian Kushnick along for the ride. They're producing the program today. And we'll take it for the next few hours, running up until high noon. Our new home here for the foreseeable future on Saturday morning. So I want you to be a part of it as well. I know we're kind of hit or miss at our normal spot weeknights. It's 7, but we'll always be here for you now. On a Saturday morning, regardless, so we hope to carry over what we do for you each night when we get the chance to do it each night, of course, on to Saturday morning. So we'll have some fun here, and it's a fun time, right, to be doing a show and talking sports this weekend with everything that's going on. Certainly, it's football heavy because tomorrow night we're going to know who's going to be playing in Super Bowl 57 as you got two conference championship games, which should be outstanding games. Now, you never know until these games kick off, of course, how they're really going to play themselves out, but. You know, the more and more I think about these games, and, you know, we'll give you picks, we'll let you know what to expect before these games kick off and everything, but the more and more that I think about these games, and I think this is really what makes them intriguing, especially when you have a couple such high stakes, which ordinarily the conference championship games are. I could foresee any of these four teams winning the game, right? I mean, you, you, you wouldn't be shocked one way or the other if I told you any of the possible combinations – for a Super Bowl with these teams that are going to be on the field tomorrow like would any of them surprise you can easily see the Bengals winning tomorrow can easily see the Chiefs winning tomorrow easily see Philadelphia see San Francisco same thing so as a viewer and if you don't have a dog in the fight that makes it a hell of a lot of fun so a lot to unpack as far as the championship games are concerned we'll do all that stuff we'll get into some hoops a little bit later on a big one coming up a little bit later on today at the Barclays Center between the Knicks and the Nets Knicks coming off a couple of Big victories against a couple of quality opponents, of course, in Cleveland, and then that win in Boston on Thursday night in overtime, gutting it out. Julius Randle continuing to do his thing, and he deserves all-star recognition. Hope he gets it when the reserves are announced a little bit later on this week. We'll get into all the Giants stuff. Our buddy Jordan Renan is going to join us later on at about 11 to kind of map out what we could expect to see from... Joe Shane and Brian Dayball, you know, their first offseason after getting at least a little bit of detail on some of these players into what type of changes they need to make. And look, we talked a lot about the Giants last week when it all came crumbling down there in Philadelphia. And obviously, there's still work that needs to be done with this team if they want to help close that gap. You know, there's a little bit, you know, we saw it with the Yankees at the end of the season last year, right? Yankees had a real good season. But then you saw them go up against the Houston Astros and you realized there was a gap that needed to be reduced between them and Houston, right? Giants, they had themselves a good season. You saw them go up against the Philadelphia Eagles, and you saw that there is a talent disparity between those two teams. So we'll get into all these things as we move forward throughout the course of the program. Again, at 800-919-3776, that is indeed going to be the telephone number. But we got to start with something that happened a couple of days ago, and we got – At least a little bit of a clue as to maybe which way this offseason is going to be headed for the New York Jets because we got some clarity here finally as to who the play caller is going to be. When I talked to you last, which was what, on Sunday, we still had no idea which way they were going in terms of a play caller. You know, they had interviewed everybody and their mother. We were joking around that, you know, if your phone didn't ring for getting a call from the Jets to interview to be the offensive coordinator, you know, go check your battery or something. Because they were really casting a wide net to try to find the person that was going to be ideal in turning around this offense and making them certainly a more prolific unit than the one that we saw sputtering down the stretch at the tail end of last season. And then they get their guy. That long, exhaustive, thorough search, and it lands on Nathaniel Hackett. Um, diving into it, trying to get to the bottom of this whole thing. Like, how did they stumble on Nathaniel Hackett? Like, why was he the guy? First and foremost, and I think it's pretty evident, experience was a big factor to him, right? The fact that you're talking about somebody who has experience in terms of being a play caller, guy who's been down this road before, and, you know, just talking to a few people, they, they were pretty high on him from the get-go. So when you found out that he got that interview a couple of weeks back, and some people passed it off as, oh, you know, maybe they're just doing their due diligence, you know, with that whole wide net, you talk to guys who maybe have not called plays before, you talk to some guys who have, and certainly he fits the latter of that category. But he was high on their list from day one. And he ends up taking the job here. And the thing you got to remember about the Jets, and we even talked about it throughout the season, when things looked maybe a little bit more positive at one point, as opposed to the way things kind of just bottomed out for them at the end and they missed out on the playoffs. The thing to remember about the Jets is that, and I keep saying this, once upon a time, when they put this whole plan into place with Joe Douglas and his staff a few years ago, this upcoming season was the one that they wrote in big numbers right on the board and kind of circled it. 2023, this was always going to be the year. This is where everything was supposed to fall into place for them. This is where all the talent was going to be developed. This is where they were going to have an incredible amount of depth. The coaching staff was going to be ready to roll here. No excuses whatsoever. 2023 was going to be the season. Now, for a good portion of last year, you know, a funny thing happened along the way. Right? Defense took some strides. They were playing winning football. And you thought that, wow, you know, maybe they're a little bit ahead of schedule here. But 23 was always going to be the season. So now that you have this guy, a veteran, experienced play caller, just expect to hit the ground running. So why hack it? Why is he the guy? Now, if you want to go by recency bias, as Robert Sala referred to when he was meeting with the media a couple of days ago, remember something. You're talking about somebody who didn't exactly make the greatest impression in his last stop. And we all saw what happened in Denver last year. I mean, he didn't even finish the season. That's how bad it was. Like, they they had to get him out of there before the year was even done because they just couldn't take it any longer. It was almost like, you know, cut your losses if you can just don't continue to run that same product out on the field even for the last two, three weeks or whatever it was because that's how much of a disappointment the Denver Broncos were under his watch. And look, Nathaniel Hackett is not the first. Nathaniel Hackett certainly is not going to be the last of guys who've had long careers in the league as assistant coaches with varying degrees of success who just, for whatever reason, never really got things figured out as a head coach and it didn't work out for him. Now, I don't know if he'll be a head coach again. I'll say this, if you're a Jet fan you almost kind of wish that Nathaniel Hackett becomes a head coach again. Why? Because the only way he's getting another head coaching job for the National Football League is if things go really, really, really well with his time here with the Jets. Because if he orchestrates a top-flight offense, if he makes the Jets one of the more prolific units – In the National Football League over the next couple of seasons, that's going to rebuild his stock a little bit, and then maybe just maybe he starts getting interviews. and all it takes is one team to sit there and give you the opportunity and say, we believe in you. You're our guy. So you know what? It's a win-win for him and for the Jets. You want that to be the case. But he's not going to be the head coach here. Jets have a head coach. You know, he's going to call the plays, and he has had success as a play caller in the past. And there's a certain degree of this where you say, you kind of admire a guy who wants to work because Nathaniel Hackett had all that money left on the contract still with the Denver Broncos. Remember when Denver hired him and they signed him and they paid him? you know, they didn't think it was going to be a one and done. So Hackett could have sat on his couch next year and collected $5 million. So in a way it's admirable that the guy actually wants to get back out there, take a job, offset some of those costs. The Broncos are happy. Broncos love the fact that they're not going to have to write him that big of a check anymore. You know, and as I said, he's not the first, he's not the last guy who still can't be a very good coordinator, but it just didn't work out as a head coach. You know, once upon a time, Norv Turner was that guy, you know, had a lot of success as a play caller. Troy Aikman swore up and down by Norv Turner. You know, one of the most influential guys in his career that Troy talks about on and on and on and on and on, but it didn't work out for him as a head coach. Wade Phillips, another one of those guys on the defensive side of the ball. Wade Phillips, damn good coordinator, head coach, eh. How about the guy that used to coach the Jets? Now he's down in Tampa. Todd Bowles, not exactly setting the world on fire down there. Remember, and he had Tom Brady as his quarterback this year. But Todd Bowles won a Super Bowl as a defensive coordinator. He really knows what the hell he's doing when he just leave the defense to him. But as a head coach, eh. Now, if this whole thing goes belly up, he may never get a chance to call plays again. Talking about Hackett. So I ask you this question. And this is kind of like the... The whole, like, Brian Windhorst meme from over the summer with the Utah Jazz and the Donovan Mitchell stuff. Remember, you know, the clip that went viral, which is kind of funny? Like, imagine that. Trying to diagnose what led Nathaniel Hackett into deciding to take this Jets job, knowing full well, okay, the emphasis is on winning for this upcoming season. If they don't win, there's a chance that more significant changes could be made. Meaning, like... You're blowing out a a coaching staff. Exactly, Brian. Why would they do that? Why would they? Well, if you don't win, they're going to try to find people in here who can help you win. That's why. So look at it from Hackett's perspective. He's joining a staff to take a job where you're expected to be successful and you're expected to win. Not that there's a mandate necessarily. The owner said that. But you're expected to show some improvement here. And as I said, if it don't work out, There's a chance everybody's getting blown out of there. So would you, in your right mind, take a job without some assurances, at the very least, that there's going to be a solution at the most important position that you have on your football team? The most important position, arguably, in all the sports, and of course I'm talking about the quarterback. Because you could be the the most innovative offensive mind on the planet, right? Right? You can be a genius. You can be a mad scientist when it comes to the X's and O's. If you don't have a quarterback who's going to execute your offense and execute your plan, then what good is it? The players are the ones that ultimately win games. None of this stuff works without a quarterback. Nothing. And, of course, when you hire a Nathaniel Hackett, you think to yourself, okay, let's play connect the dots. Who, what relationship does Nathaniel Hackett have? Well, yeah, he and Robert Sala worked together once upon a time in Jacksonville. Get it. But in terms of players, the signals start to go up, and you think Aaron Rodgers. You think that number 12 is coming here. Even though if he came here, he can't wear number 12, as we know. Some other guy wore it, wore it pretty well. So is that indeed the direction things are going? Like, does he know something that we don't know? Is this the way the worm is going to turn for the New York Jets? Nathaniel Hackett, step one, and that's going to produce Aaron Rodgers? That's a dangerous way of thinking, isn't it? Because I still believe deep down in my heart of hearts that that's probably what led to the Denver Broncos making him their head coach last year. And how did that work out? They didn't produce Aaron Rodgers. Now Russell Wilson, and that was a disaster. And I don't think the Jets would have gone ahead and hired Nathaniel Hackett, thinking that that was what the future was going to produce. Because... We already saw that last year, and how you can't think along those lines. So the question we have to get to the bottom of is: You got your play caller. Now, who that who is the quarterback going to be? Who is going to be the best fit? And is it possible that there is a way for the Jets to reel in an Aaron Rodgers, somebody of that ilk and that caliber? that he's going to be your guy in 2023, and then all of a sudden think about how that transforms the look and really the expectations of what this football team can be. 800-919-3776, that's the telephone number. We're going to get into all the possibilities, the pros, the cons. How realistic do you think Aaron Rodgers coming here could potentially be for this football team? And is there somebody else that you think maybe is an even better fit for this club? A lot of things we got to get to here. A lot of things. We'll get into all the conference championship stuff as well. Two big games tomorrow. Hey, there's only three games left in the football season. It's kind of bittersweet. But these games tomorrow could be a heck of a lot of fun. And the Jets hope to find themselves playing on this weekend one year from now. They got some work to do. Dan Gross' show. Happy to be here on a Saturday morning, 98.70 SPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. (laughs) Championship weekend in the National Football League. Jets trying to see if they could be part of the conversation next year. They got themselves a play caller. Now, who the hell the quarterback is going to be? That is now the next most pressing question on their things to-do list here for the offseason. So, Aaron Rodgers is the hot name, right? Because they got his buddy, Nathaniel Hackett. He's going to be the one calling the plays. And look, I don't... I don't think it's necessarily a package deal because, as I said, I think you'd be foolish to believe that. But what are the possibilities, right? First and foremost, you have to worry about the player. Okay, what does he want to do? Has Aaron Rodgers made up his mind about does he want to play again next year? Maybe yes, maybe no. He's kind of flaky when it comes to that stuff. We have no idea. And let's say you do bring him aboard. Is he somebody that's going to be all in, right? Is he going to be somebody that's going to be in Florham Park constantly, right? Is he going to be part of the offseason season programs, going to do these things? Well, the tricky part about that, and I'll get to it in just a little bit, there are financial ramifications which could delay these, all these festivities from even taking place. See, the thing about Rodgers, and when you think about these older quarterbacks, like he and versus Brady, for example, he's not as obsessive as Tom Brady is. When it comes to his career, like Tom Brady, you know, 45 years old, still playing, still doing all the things, the workout, the TB12 method, all this stuff, like just living, breathing, obsessing football. That's not Aaron Rodgers. You know, Aaron Rodgers is doing his other, not to say that he's lazy in any way, but he's got other interests. You know, he'll just dart off to Peru for six weeks at a time during the offseason instead of being a part of OTAs and doing all these other things and bonding with teammates and, and so on and so forth. You know, is that the type of guy that you want leading the team, even if it is going to be for a short amount of time? And some people point to the fact that, well, you know, he had an offseason last year. Yeah, he did. I mean, you're talking about a guy also who came off of winning back-to-back MVP. So anything short of winning a most valuable player award is going to be looked at as a down year. And the statistics would kind of correspond to that as well. But, you know, if you want to play the what-if game and you want to make all of these excuses as to what went wrong and all this, well... Played with a broken thumb last year, which happened in the Giant game, ironically enough, over in Europe. He had offensive linemen in and out of the lineup. New wide receivers he was trying to get acclimated to. All those things. All right, then everybody's trying to check a box and say, well, he's got a good relationship with Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson idolizes him. So if the Jets want to stay true to this mantra of, we want to develop Zach Wilson, we still believe in Zach. We want to keep Zach around. And who better to have in here and let Zach stand on the sidelines and learn from than the guy who was his idol growing up in Aaron Rodgers. Well, I don't think that that's any incentive to Aaron Rodgers. I don't think he cares one way or the other who he's mentoring or who he's not mentoring or what other quarterbacks are on the roster. I mean, what the hell does he care? Right, he's going to be here. Whatever team he's going to play on, he's going to be the guy. You know, he's not going to be looking over his shoulder worrying about who might be trying to emulate him. That's the last thing that an Aaron Rodgers would have on his mind. Now, the financial constraints are tricky here. First and foremost, okay, he's on the hook if you bring him in, and they say your money, it ain't my money, it's the owner's money. He's on the hook for sixty million dollars, all guaranteed for 2023. Sixty million dollars. Cap hit is only 15 and change because they spread it out, and then the cap hit is going to be 32 and a half for 2024, if indeed you're even talking about a guy who's going to play more than one year. Signing bonus got prorated over four years, and that's why the hit is so low. But you still got to pay the money. Still got to write him that check. He's going to get $109 million over the next two years. Not all cap hits, but that's a lot of money to give to a guy. I mean, it's, again, not yours, not mine, but any owner is going to have to sit there and swallow hard $109 million over the next two years. And the thing about these aging quarterbacks, you just don't know. Wake up one morning, and you could automatically fall off a cliff as a quarterback. It happened to Peyton Manning once upon a time. Remember Peyton Manning's last year? That was ugly. In 2015, he got benched for Brock Osweiler down the stretch. Guy couldn't even throw the ball more than... 10, 15 yards with any sort of zip. It was kind of sad to watch. And then they brought him back in there, and the Broncos end up winning a Super Bowl in the strength of their defense. But here is where the date and the calendar come into this whole thing. Green Bay gets hit with a $40 million dead cap charge if he's traded before June the 1st. So if it's from a Packers standpoint, They benefit from letting this thing go into June. So they don't have to absorb that $40 million for a guy who's not even going to be on their team anymore. So that's another question. If you're the Jets, do you mind having to wait it out till the summertime to come in here with your quarterback? What does that do for the rest of the offseason? And here's the other problem with this. If you wait that long, because what's today? January 28th. So that means February, March. April, May. That's the next four months. And suffice it to say, when the league calendar year starts in March, right around free agency and, and teams are making moves, signing guys, trades are happening, all these things, think about what else you're potentially missing out on especially if you don't have any sort of guarantees that come June 1st, the Packers are even going to want to trade him to you or he's going to be moved. If you're playing the waiting game for Aaron Rodgers, what could you potentially miss out on in the months to proceed? You're playing with fire potentially. Now, look, I would think that they would probably have a little bit of inside info as to which way the wind was blowing. You would almost have to because you can't put all your chips to the middle of the table in hopes of getting one guy, but yet it might take you a few months before you get an answer when everybody else is coming off the board. And that could be the Derek Carr situation, getting straightened out with another team. That could be Garoppolo signing someplace else and whatever other quarterback you might identify that could be a solution for your team. That's dangerous. Do I think deep down Aaron Rodgers is going to be playing here? I, I, I don't. I don't. I don't know but that's just my gut feeling. I'm not going to say that it's impossible. I I mean, look, anyone. I never thought Brett Favre would be a Jet, but it happened. Once upon a time, it happened, you know, for one year. It did. And if you are going to swing for the fences like that, you better go all in, and it might only be a one-year window. Now, if you're a fan and you don't mind, and that's the direction you want to go, more power to you. But it better work out. Because then you're going to be in the same position that you're in right now, 12 months from now, and that's not a great position to be in because, oh, by the way, let's say you still have Zach Wilson on your roster, you still don't know what the hell you have in him. You don't know any more than you do right now. 800-919-3776, that's the telephone number. Get your jet calls coming up here. Dan Grosser Show, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. (laughs) I wish it was a little bit chillier for some of these games tomorrow, though, because if I don't have to be there, if I'm just sitting on the couch and watching football, especially late in January, I want to see, like, cold temps, you know, winter. Thank God it's not a neutral site AFC championship game. It's going to be chilly in KC, but no elements like you saw in Buffalo last week. And in Philly tomorrow, it's going to be like, I think, 50 or, or, or close to it. That's not late January Philly weather for an NFC title game. Come on. We'll get to those games coming up, though, in just a little bit. But we're talking Jets. Who's the quarterback going to be? Who, who should be the quarterback in 2023 for Robert Salva's football team? He was asked a couple of days ago, you know, you brought Nathaniel Hackett in. Was he hired with potentially bringing Aaron Rodgers aboard to be the signal caller?
1: It doesn't matter uh, what the connections are. Everyone's got a connection to everybody in this league. The most important thing was finding a guy who we felt could continue developing our young guys, a guy who's done it before, a guy who's had success in this league with a variety of different quarterbacks. And, and like I said, every single, every, after every interview, just went back to my list to just kind of review where we stood and Nathaniel checked every box. You know, just really fortunate, you know, how much he believes in us. As an organization, he could have sat on the couch for four years and his excitement to be here is reciprocated. So he's, um, like I said, really, really excited as a really, really good hire and really excited about the direction uh, that we're going to be able to go.
0: The best job that Nathaniel Hackett did as a play caller, okay, I'm sure you've heard about it, but the Jacksonville Jaguars in 2017, remember that club, they went all the way to the AFC championship game. They had a double digit lead. I think it was a 10 point lead in the fourth quarter in Foxborough. They should have won that game. They really and truly should have. They got hosed by the referees. Remember, they forced the turnover as well. I think it was Miles Jack, if I remember correctly. And they didn't get credit for the turnover. I mean, that would have almost, like, iced the game back then. So, I mean, Jacksonville was this close to going to the Super Bowl that year. And that was with Blake Bortles as their quarterback. Blake Blake Bortles is not even in the league anymore. You talk about how fast that window can close on a quarterback, especially one that was picked as high as he was, which was third overall. But that Jacksonville team, okay, under Nathaniel Hackett's watch, and he was the one that was calling the plays, and he was doing all those things. They were the fifth-highest scoring team in the league. Yardage-wise, they were number six in the NFL. They were the number one rushing offense in the league that was when leonard fournette was there i think it was his rookie season first or second year or whatever but they he was the one that they rode and the passing game they were like middle of the pack and if you remember that team like their number one leading wide receiver was marquise lee marquise lee's another guy who you can't even find him right now with a roadmap so it's not like he had an abundance of talent at the skill position uh slots like you have here already built in with the jets You know, he didn't have wide receivers like Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore, right? Potentially, you know, Brees Hall, which I have here at running back next year when he comes back healthy. There are things to work with. But now we need to find out who the quarterback is going to be. They're not going to run this thing back with a quarterback the caliber of a Blake Bortles. Right? We know that. The owner made that pretty clear at the end of the season when he talked with the media. Real quick about Carr before we get to the phones. February 15th is the deadline before his contract becomes guaranteed out there in Vegas. So Vegas is going to want to do something here within the next couple of weeks. So things are happening at a furious pace once we get going. So That being said, February 15th for Carr, the Green Bay thing is June 1st. You willing to wait it out or not? How much intel are you going to be able to get behind the scenes, which is going to really dictate what you're going to do? Because as we found out last year with this team, if you don't have a quarterback, and this isn't just the Jets, it's just any team, you don't have a quarterback, you ain't got a shot. Simple as that. All right, let's go to the phones. 800 Started off with our pal Anthony. He's in the mail truck. He's going to be first up here on 9870SPN. Anthony, good morning, my friend. How are you?
1: Hey, Dan. Good morning, man. It's a beautiful day out here. I'm, I'm loving this, this winter that we've been having. Great day. Go hit um, some golf balls today. Yeah, no, it's beautiful. If I can get out of here, I would love to. Um, getting back to the Jets. So the reason why I think Aaron Rodgers has to come here is, number one, the other quarterbacks don't move the needle for me as much as Aaron Rodgers, obviously. Um, but the the biggest two things to me are you have a substantially young team, which means they're all mostly on rookie contracts. So you don't have to pay any of them, you know, just yet. You know, I, I know Quinn and Williams, I believe, is up, I want to say, for a contract this year. Um, and really quick, number two is, you know, Aaron Rodgers, um, you know, they're, they're young, they have to pay their guys, and they uh, he can mentor Zach Wilson into, you know, what you hope he can be. And if he doesn't, he doesn't. You know, there's no point in cutting Zach Wilson right now because there's no reason for it. You know, you already whiffed on the second pick, but, you know, maybe you can make it better
0: by getting his mentoring.
1: You know, what do you think, Dan? Thanks for taking the call, brother.
0: Anthony, be good. Um, Like I, I said a couple of minutes ago, I don't know how keen necessarily Aaron Rodgers is on the whole mentor program. You know, this isn't like the big brothers, big sisters program. It's professional football, right? You can either play or you can't. And Aaron Rodgers, if he was coming here, he's going to play. He's not just going to be sitting around and you know showing Zach Wilson the ropes or I mean, like that, that's not the way the NFL works. This is big boy football. Think college, not high school. You either got it or you don't got it. It's not an apprenticeship. Although I will say this, if you're looking at the clock and the timeline. Let's not forget, and I'm not saying that history is going to repeat itself in this case. Aaron Rodgers, once upon a time, and we know that he sat behind Brett Favre for a couple of years, right? We know that. Aaron Rodgers didn't get a chance to play until he was 25. Until he took over the starting job permanently in 2008. 25 years old. Zach Wilson, if he sits a couple of years, and I'm just speculating. I'm just throwing stuff up against the wall here. But let's just say that Aaron Rodgers comes here and plays for two seasons, not just one, two seasons. And then he rides off into the sunset. And then the Jets decide, you know, we're going to turn things over back to Zach Wilson. He's going to stay here. He's going to watch. He's going to learn all these other things. Zach Wilson would only be 25 years old. But you forget how young the guy is. He's only 23 right now. So that part kind of lines itself up. However, things don't always go according to plan. Like, am I going to sit here and am I going to put a bunch of stock in, in, in A, Aaron Rodgers coming here, and then B, him playing two seasons? You know, the Bucs got three years out of Tom Brady, and that's all I think they're going to get, by the way, because I don't think he's going back to Tampa. Bucks got three years out of Tom Brady. I don't think you're getting three years at, uh, wherever Aaron Rodgers goes. I don't think he's playing for three more years, for whatever team that is. Because I said a little while ago, he just strikes me as a different guy than Tom Brady. I don't know if he loves football as much as Brady does. And I don't think, as he gets a little bit older, remember, Rodgers is 40. He's going to be 40. I don't think he's going to put in the work that's necessary at this stage of your career to remain on top of your game like Brady does. Because he's an obsessed. Remember, Brady lost his whole family because he loves football. Giselle and the kids says, we're getting the hell out of here because this guy still wants to go and, you know, win eight games for Todd Bowles. He's like, I'm not going to sit here and watch this. It's a train wreck. You know, I'm going to go to Costa Rica and ride horses. Rodgers will just go to Costa Rica and do other things. Maybe they involve horses. Maybe they don't. I don't know. Mitch in East Windsor, he's up next year on 98.7 ESPN. Mitch, how are you? Morning, Dan. Good morning, Thanks. Mitch. How are
1: you doing? Uh, I think Aaron Rodgers can play more than two years because um, he's not getting the Jeopardy job. Uh, I, I don't, think you I don't know what the
0: latest is with the Jeopardy job. i got to be honest with you. That thing, you know, in this day and age, things could change like in a heartbeat. So who the heck knows what's going on with Jeopardy?
1: I think, I think somebody's got it, and he's not going to give up that job easily. Um, I say wait out for the Carr or uh, or Rogers, But um, you a quarterback in mid rounds because I think uh, Zach Williams is a bust? And if he's a bust, he's
0: a bust. It's not going to change. It's not like wine. It doesn't get better with age. You play. Get better with experience, and uh, he's showing what he is. Um, and also, with the Jets, if they're able to keep the highest sets, draft sets. with the uh, draft, Robinson, the running back from Texas, he looks like a good one. No, Mitch, Mitch, thank you for the phone call. You're, wait, 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 well, take, thank God you're not running my team. Mike, you're taking a running back with the 13th pick in the draft? You got Brees Hall sitting there. Who you stole in the second round. Okay. Still got Michael Carter here. You got Bam. N- you're not taking all- If you know what? If, if Joe Douglas turned in a card, and I could joke about it because he's not going to do it. If Joe Douglas turned in a card at 13 with, with the, the running back Robinson from Texas on uh, name on the card, they, they might fire him before the guy's name comes out of Roger Goodell's mouth. What the F? Exactly. Jets have other needs. Not running. Running back ain't one of them. That's one thing you could check off the list. Suby in Midtown. He's up next here on 9870 ESPN. Suby, how are you?
1: Hey, Dan. Like you were saying, there's a one-year window. And with the Jets, I think it's unfortunate that they also have to deal with the Bengals and the Bills and the Chiefs being relevant for the next four years. So they're going to need to assemble a team in this next year that could hit or miss. And then if not, they're going to have to rely on high draft picks for the next four years because you're not going to be dealing with teams like the Bengals and even in the NFC who uh, you know are finely tuned machines. The Jets unfortunately missed on a few players here and there in the draft, and they can't do that going forward in this draft as well. They're going to have to get tight end, offensive line players who can function in the third or fourth round. That versus. Missing on the first round. That's all I got to say.
0: One thing you got to remember doing, Sue, thanks for the phone call. The way the roster looks today on January 28th, we don't know how it's going to look on April whenever the draft is. Is it the 27th, the 28th, somewhere around there? Remember, you're going to have cuts that will be made. Right, guys who are currently on the team under contract that you're going to have to say goodbye to because salary cap is a big part of this thing. You're going to want to free up some space. You're going to ask guys to renegotiate and to take a little bit of a a haircut, and the ones that refuse, they're just not going to be on the team. It's as simple as that. Then you're going to have free agency. You could go out there and satisfy some needs in free agency that ordinarily you would use a draft pick on. If you're asking me right now needs for the Jets apart from quarterback, which is obvious, offensive line. And I know that we sound like a broken record when we're talking about offensive line with the Jets. We've been saying this for the last three years, and they've tried – But I think a combination of bad luck has really contributed to the fact that, you know, they're still looking to fill those gaps. You got two guys right now, Lakin Tomlinson and Elijah Vera Tucker. Those are the only two guys, in my opinion, who are guaranteed to be back and starting on this line next year. So you have the majority of your line that you have to satisfy. You know, Dwayne Brown, what's he going to do? Number one, he's got to go get that shoulder fixed. Does he want to go through that long rehab process? And does he want to come back and play again next year? Still has another year on the deal, right? I think offensive line is the number one target at 13. You go, what you know, Mekhi Becton, he's in great shape supposedly right now, saying all the right things, doing all the right things. But can you trust the guy who's only played one game over the last two years? You have to have some depth. You have to have a backup plan. So that's why tackle, I think, is probably number one. I think you can have a little bit of a different look on that back end next year defensively at the safety position. Middle of the first round, I think, is a prime place to maybe go grab somebody the way your board maybe kind of unfolds a little bit. You know, Lamarcus Joyner, I'd be surprised if he comes back next year. Remember, he was contemplating retirement going into next season, then he gets hurt late in the year. Uh, you're probably looking for at least one new safety next year if you're the Jets. Those might be two of the areas I look to identify. But clearly, clearly, apart from the quarterback, offensive line, you got to satisfy here. 800-919-3776. We'll get into the conference championship games coming up. Remember, Jordan Renan on the Giants coming up at 11. Dan Gross' show. We roll till noon right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Gross' show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> I will say this, though. About the Jets as well, in addition to, you know, with Nathaniel Hackett getting hired. The other coach that they brought onto the staff, Keith Carter, on the offensive line, that's a good move. You know, I know that the Hackett one is going to get, like, all the headlines because he's the offensive coordinator. You know, is he telling Aaron Rodgers to come, and is it going to help get Aaron Rodgers here, and all these things. Keith Carter's a nice hire on that offensive line. And I know a lot of times the only time that you really know the offensive line coach or pay attention to the offensive line coaches when they're doing a bad job, right? Because then everybody wants to say, fire the offensive line coach. Get him out of there. And how about this, too, before I get into Keith Carter? It just reminded me. Everybody's throwing bouquets at the Cincinnati Bengals for how they played last week up in Buffalo and the offensive line specifically. Remember, they were missing three starters. What a great job that they did. Those guys, they battled, right? Keeping Joe Burrow clean in the bad weather, grinding it out on the ground, all those things. Cincinnati's offensive line coach, Frank Pollock, a guy who was the Jets' offensive line coach for the two years under Adam Case, when they were one of the worst offensive lines in the league. <laughs> oh it just goes to show you, right? It goes, it goes to show you, and it goes back to something I always say. You, you need the players, man. You, you really and truly do. Really and truly do. But anyway. The guy the Jets did bring aboard here in Keith Carter, who was let go by the Tennessee Titans. Remember, Tennessee crashed and burned at the end of the season. They lost out on the AFC South, you know, on a seven-game losing streak. And when that happens, no different than what you saw with the Jets, you know, there's going to be staff changes. If you're not going to fire the head coach, there's going to be other moves. So Keith Carter was part of the collateral damage there in Tennessee. You know, they chalked it up to, like, philosophical differences or whatever it was. But, guys, if you've been watching the NFL for the last few years, you know, that Tennessee offensive line was one of the better ones in the National Football League, right? You had a couple Pro Bowl caliber players on that offensive line. You know, Lawan when he's on the field and then he's healthy. You know, Conklin, before he left, uh, as a free agent to end up in Cleveland there. But they had some dudes, you know? And I know that you have Derrick Henry in the backfield, and that makes things a hell of a lot easier there for you, but... That ground attack was pretty legit. Keith Carter had something to do with that, didn't he? So you bring him aboard, he's now your old line coach, your run game coordinator. That is a nice hire, I think for this football team. You know, it's not it's not the offensive lines coach or the offensive line coach's fault that late in the season Tennessee's offense sputtered because they had to start the likes of Malik Willis and Josh Dobbs at quarterback in the most important games that they played throughout the season, right? That isn't the offensive line coach's fault. So you're able to pounce on a guy like that and bring him in? I think that's a win-win for you. So a good move there by Robert Sala. And those two guys go back a little bit, too. I think they were on the same staff maybe in Seattle once upon a time, like very early on in um, Sala's coaching career. I think that's where the connection is there. But that's a good move. There's no rule against surrounding yourself with as many good coaches as possible. And I think the Jets get another good one there. In Keith Carter. Let's go to the phones. 800-919-3776. Marvin in the Bronx. He's up next here on 98.7. Marvin, good morning. How are you?
1: Good morning. Dan, welcome to the time slot. slot and I'll be talking to you every Saturday morning you before don't I start like my it, day. So.
0: Thanks for bringing me uh, along. What's uh, going on?
1: Yeah, I'm looking for a look. I'm telling you, I'm making an out-and-out out statement. I know I'm pressed for time here, but mm-hmm. Joe Burrows, nobody's beating him. This kid, I saw at the interview after the game in Buffalo, this kid has a swag and a confidence. You're not beating him tomorrow. And he's going to take it to the Super Bowl. And then, like they call Arrowhead, Burrowhead, <laughs> watch it tomorrow. Hey, congratulations and welcome to the time slot.
0: Look Mark, forward to thanks, talking buddy. to you every weekend. I appreciate you, my man. And by the way, but just real quick, we're going to do a show tomorrow morning, too, uh, 11 a.m. to 2, I believe. You know, they asked me to work championship day. Why not? Let's do it. Let's get you set for the game. So, tomorrow morning, not as early as today, but 11 a.m. tomorrow. So, Plan accordingly. I'll talk a lot about Burrow here to start the second hour, but Marvin hit it right on the head. I I say this about Burrow, and you started to get hints of this last year when they went all the way to the Super Bowl. And I don't twist the words, because I'm going to say this, but he's the closest thing. And I'm not sitting here trying to say that he's accomplished even a tenth of what the other guy has. Nobody has. But out of all these young quarterbacks in the NFL and all these high caliber QBs, you know, the guys who are ready to like, you know, accept the torch as to be the next flag bearer or whatever at the position. He's the closest thing in terms of demeanor. That I think we have in the league right now to Brady. That Joe cool, unflappable in the big moment, you know, Montana had that Brady's got that. I'm not saying that they're the only ones. That's the mold I think he fits. Like, you know, Burrow's not the most supremely gifted physical quarterback, and neither was Tom Brady. You know, Manning was more physically gifted. Peyton was more, you know, threw a better ball than Tom Brady. Aaron Rodgers as a whole is more physically gifted than Tom Brady, but doesn't mean that they're better. You know, Brady's the best. You know, everything you add it all up together, Brady just found a way, and he did it consistently great for so many years, and that's what makes him who he is. But Burrow's got that it factor. He really and truly does. And just like what Marvin was saying there, he goes and wins this game tomorrow. That's two years in a row he goes to a Super Bowl. Two years in a row that he wins a conference championship game on the road. Two years in a row he's going to do it at Arrowhead, beating Mahomes, who's thought to be the guy right now, as far as that position is in the National Football League. That's a pretty good leg up, right, when we're sitting here trying to Order and differentiate who's better, who's best, this guy, elite number. That is a good place to begin and starting to carve out a legacy for yourself in the National Football League. We'll get into these games right on the other side. Bengals, Chiefs, Eagles, Niners. Could be a fun championship Sunday, don't you think? Dan Grosso's show will roll until noon right here on 98.7 ESPN.